Hi everybody, Jeremiah Jacques here. Thank you for tuning in to The Sun Also Rises today. We'll start off today's episode with a story. It takes place along the shores of the Red Sea many years ago. And there was a young sultan who ruled over a sizable tract of territory. But this man had a problem. Every time a burst of prosperity came his way, every time things were going well for him, his spirits would soar up to the loftiest heights. He would become filled with pride and smugness and uh, arrogance. And then when things were not going well for this sultan, when he was experiencing adversity, he would always fall to the deepest depths of discouragement. You could say that his temper never knew a medium. He was all over the emotional spectrum, high highs and low lows, all depending on his immediate circumstances. Well, this sultan was frustrated by all the complications that entered into his life as a result of these wide swings in his temperament. He knew he had a problem, but he wasn't quite sure how to pinpoint what exactly the problem was, and he certainly didn't know how to fix it. Well, that was the situation for this sultan for many years, and then one day he heard some news about another ruler in a nearby kingdom. The news said that this other ruler was in possession of something totally unheard of. He had boundless wisdom. This nearby ruler was Solomon, king of Judah. And when the sultan heard reports about King Solomon and his bewildering wisdom and how he was able to solve so many problems with it, it made the sultan anxious to seek out Solomon's counsel. So the sultan traveled to Jerusalem, he was granted an audience with Solomon, and he told Solomon all about his erratic nature. He told him all about the high highs and the low lows that he would experience as a result of his circumstances. And the sultan gave Solomon several examples of just these uh, drastic oscillations in his mood. And he told him all about the trouble and grief that he brought upon himself as a result of all those oscillations. Well, the story says that King Solomon listened to the sultan, and he told him to come back in a few weeks, and that he'd be able to help him at that time. Well, after, after those weeks passed, the sultan returned to Jerusalem and entered into Solomon's court once again, and Solomon handed him a small box, told him to open it, and inside there was a ring with a phrase etched onto its surface. It said, Gamza Ya'avor which is Hebrew for, this too shall pass. Solomon told the sultan to wear the ring, and that those four words, this too shall pass, would serve as a constant reminder to him that all material conditions, positive or negative, are temporary. Solomon told the sultan that if he wanted to stop being so easily buffeted about by circumstances, then he should wear the ring remember its inscription, and live by the words, this too shall pass. Well, that's one version of this story anyway. This account is not written in the Bible. It's just been passed down by Jewish oral tradition. And there are others who say that it was actually a medieval Persian Sufi poet who first came up with the proverb, this too shall pass. And then there are others still who say that it originated with early Turkish writers. So there's plenty of debate, and we can't say for sure that King Solomon was the first to utter the phrase. But there is a writer named Avi Solomon 
who wrote a book called This Too Shall Pass, Tracing an Ancient Jewish Folktale. And in this book, he points to discoveries of some ancient rings and amulets that bear the Hebrew version of the phrase. And this writer, Avi Solomon, argues pretty compellingly, I think, that these uh, discoveries really do substantiate the Jewish claims about this too shall pass having originated with King Solomon. But anyway, regardless of the phrase's origins, the wisdom contained in it is really beyond debate. This too shall pass. These words are applicable and valuable, not just to that apocryphal sultan, but they're applicable really to every person alive and valuable to every one of us. So that's what today's episode is about. This too shall pass. Just four words, but with lots of wisdom in them. We've talked on a recent episode about Abraham Lincoln and his masterful use of humor to get through tough times. And Mr. Lincoln actually also used the proverb, this too shall pass, every bit as masterfully to get through both hard times and instances of pride. Here's what Mr. Lincoln once said about the brilliance of the proverb. And you can tell that Lincoln heard a version of the account that's uh, a little different from the one that I mentioned there. But anyway, here it is, quote, It is said that an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence to be ever in view, and which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. They presented him the words, and this too shall pass away. How much it expresses, how chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction. End quote. That quote's from Mr. Lincoln's address to the Wisconsin Agricultural Society, and it's clear that Lincoln highly valued the wisdom contained in that phrase. I love his assessment of it at the end there. How chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction. So let's take a look at the uh, affliction part of Lincoln's statement first. How consoling this phrase, this too shall pass, is in the depths of affliction. I think this is the way that most of us think about the proverb and use it. You know, when things are not uh, going well for someone and we're trying to comfort them, we might say, this will pass. You know, the, the trouble and the affliction that you're in right now, it will end at some point. So keep your chin up. And that is a valuable truth to be reminded of during those times. When we're in the middle of a hard trial, there's a tendency sometimes to think that it will just go on and on. When we're living through a certain moment in time during which we feel grief or sorrow or anger or negative emotions like that, then it can be pretty hard for us to imagine a future in which we will feel differently than we do at that moment. But if you think about it, with the benefit of hindsight, pretty much every one of us can reflect back on trials that seemed at one point to be hopelessly dark, but then the trials eventually mellowed. They softened and loosened and brightened up. You know, time goes on. Winter gives way to spring. As King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, the sun also rises. That's a phrase familiar to listeners of this show. So most of us can all think back retrospectively to times when that happened, when the sun finally rose after a dark time. But when we're in the thick of a trial in the present tense, 
It's not always easy to be convinced that it'll happen again that time. But if we can remember during those dark times, as much as our emotions try to tell us otherwise, that the adversity will pass, then it will be consoling to us, as Lincoln said. And we'll be able to weather life's storms in a way that helps us mature and become more, uh, you know, more joyous, more equanimous and temperate in the long run. Okay, but what about profoundly traumatizing events? What about the deepest kind of, of uh, soul-grinding suffering and adversity? Does the sun also rise on these? Does this too pass, even when the this that you're talking about is that kind of really serious trial? Well, there's a book called Stumbling on Happiness. It's written by Daniel Gilbert, and it basically says that people are much tougher than we think we are. It says that even after the most extreme trials, we almost always bounce back, and pretty quickly. Mr. Gilbert writes, quote, Rather than being the fragile flowers that a century of psychologists have made us out to be, most people are surprisingly resilient in the face of trauma. End quote. Gilbert goes through a whole range of studies that uh, tracked people who had suffered terrible things, things like the loss of loved ones or the loss of use of their legs from an accident. These are the types of things that you imagine would basically just destroy your emotional outlook permanently. But one after another in these studies, the researchers discovered that uh, after just one year passes, almost all people, whether they'd permanently lost the use of their legs or a loved one or some other terrible thing, after just one year, almost all people returned to their baseline pre-loss levels of happiness. Here's another quote from Mr. Gilbert. Quote, Although more than half the people in the United States will experience a major trauma in their lifetimes, only a small fraction will ever develop any post-traumatic pathology. End quote. So it doesn't mean that, that suffering from all traumas and tribulations always completely dissipates. The scarring from some experiences is deep, and it may leave us with some long-term vulnerabilities. But the point is that in most cases we are tougher than we think, and we have some say in how long we remain injured and to what degree we remain damaged from something like that. Back in the first century AD, there were some members of the church there in Corinth, and they believed that the trials they were enduring were abnormally hard. They apparently believed that it was more than they could stand. But the Apostle Paul wanted them to know that they didn't have to be derailed and destroyed by those difficulties. So he wrote to them saying, quote, There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. End quote. So all of this just shows that people have an astonishing capacity for resiliency. In the thick of a trial, we often feel like it's more than we can bear, but we can bear and escape those things and even emerge from them improved. So I think if you, um, if you look at all this together, the proverb, this too shall pass, 
and Lincoln's remarks about how consoling the words are in the depths of affliction, and the conclusions of Mr. Gilbert's book, and then Paul's comments there, it adds up to kind of say, when suffering comes, we should try to learn what we can from it. We should try to not let our emotions convince us that the fog will hang over us forever. And then when the time is right, we should try to just let that experience kind of pass into history so we can keep on moving forward. So that's the first side of this too shall pass. That's the first aspect of it, I guess you could say. But there is the other half too. What was it Lincoln said there for the other half? Uh, how, how chastening this proverb is in the hour of pride. Most of us have experienced a certain number of hours of pride. You know, times of success and victory and conquest. Sometimes those times can fill us with, with a lot of uh, hubris and arrogance and, and pride. We might start to feel a little bit, you know, immortal in a way. And if we feel like that is kind of the new permanent reality then it might make us inclined to burn some bridges. It might make us start to treat other people poorly or just behave in kind of a pompous way. But Solomon's proverb says this too, even these times of victory, they will pass. If we can remember that during those times of triumph and uh, elation, it'll help us maintain perspective. It'll help us to remain grateful and to keep our ego from inflating too much. It'll, it'll keep us from burning those bridges. But it's not always easy to do. Back in ancient Rome, if a general had won a big battle, the tradition was to have him paraded through the streets in a chariot and to have him be uh, celebrated and, and applauded, to be basically worshipped by great masses of people. But right there in the chariot with him, they would place a servant whose only responsibility was to lean forward every few minutes and whisper in the general's ear, Memento Mori. That's Latin for remember death. Remember someday you will die, is, is uh, basically what it meant. So even on what was probably the greatest day of this general's life, the Romans included this strange mechanism to remind the general that he was still just a man who would die. He's receiving all that praise from the adorning people in the streets there, but then the servant just keeps whispering to him, Memento Mori, Memento Mori. The Roman authorities apparently knew about the human tendency toward recency bias. They apparently understood the difficulty of remembering during a time of triumph that earthly conquests don't last forever. And they knew of the dangers that could result from a man forgetting that kind of thing. So they included this mysterious mechanism, memento mori, as, as sort of a hedge against excessive pride. I think you could say that in this context, memento mori is sort of a synonym for this too shall pass. So when we enjoy some hard-fought victory or promotion or something like that, I think we we certainly should be joyous about it and appreciate it and, and maybe even enjoy that uh, surge of dopamine that can saturate our brains at that time. I don't think a balanced person has to try to limit his exposure to life the way 
some sort of a monk or stoic would. But we have to exert some effort to stay conscious of the fact that times of physical prosperity are not guaranteed to last. We have to consciously try to remain grounded and grateful and humble during those times and wary of riding kind of an emotional high. That'll help us avoid vanity and arrogance and the suffering that comes with those things. Going back to Dr. Gilbert's book, Stumbling on Happiness, there's one study that he analyzes, and this study tracked the happiness levels of people who had just won the lottery. Right after someone wins, as you would expect, there's a massive surge in their reported levels of happiness. But the study shows that that elation is short-lived. After one year passes, no matter how much money a person won, the winners returned to their baseline levels of happiness. The data actually shows that whether a person won the lottery or lost use of his legs in a tragic accident, one year after the event, both of those people are generally back to their baseline levels of happiness. In a moment, we'll get back to King Solomon and uh, discuss one final dimension of this Tushal Pass. But first, I'd like to read you one of Rudyard Kipling's short masterpieces, which I think demonstrates the value of staying steady despite the, the vicissitudes of life, despite all the changing circumstances that are always happening. It basically shows the value of knowing, always knowing, that this too shall pass. This is a poem called If, and it's written in the form of advice being given from a father to his son, from Mr. Kipling to his son, actually. Here it is. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop to build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. There it is, If, by Rudyard Kipling. The most relevant line of that poem for our discussion today is, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. It's a a beautiful couplet, really. It's saying that both triumph and disaster can be impostors. They hoodwink us 
into believing that some brand new extreme is now permanent reality. But really, triumph and disaster are both quite fleeting. So Mr. Kipling was telling his son to recognize both of them as imposters. Anyway, if you're not uh, acquainted with that poem, it's a really good one. There's a lot of wisdom in there. We'll be happy to email you a link to it if you have any trouble tracking it down. Our email address is tsar at kpcg.fm. I also wanted to quickly mention that you could paraphrase This Too Shall Pass as beware of recency bias. We mentioned recency bias in passing a little earlier, and it's, uh, it's just one of many cognitive biases that all of us are susceptible to. Cognitive biases are just tendencies to think in certain ways that can lead to systemic deviations from good judgment. Basically, they skew our view of the world. And recency bias is one of the big ones. It's the phenomenon of a person most easily remembering something that has happened recently instead of remembering things that uh, occurred in the more distant past. And we're all susceptible to that from time to time. You can see it in the way people invest in the stock market. You can see it in the way people believe that the United States is too big to fail, you know, too powerful to collapse. The lesson of history, ancient and modern, is that man-made kingdoms fall, even the big ones. So even when we look at things like international relations and the global order that governs them, it's really valuable for us to beware of our tendency for recency bias in our thinking and to remember that this too shall pass. Okay, well, for this final segment today, I wanted to say that this too shall pass is a beautiful proverb. It does contain invaluable and broadly applicable wisdom, but full disclosure, the jurisdiction of the proverb is limited. It's finite. There's a key area where it does not apply. And King Solomon knew about this. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 5, Solomon writes that when a person's life ends, the person will, quote, take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand, end quote. You know, you might, uh, you might make arrangements for all the shiny and glittery material things that you've accumulated in this life to be crammed into your coffin with you when you die. But it wouldn't matter. None of it can be carried away anywhere, as Solomon said there in chapter 5. But toward the end of this same book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon explained that there actually is one thing that does remain after this life ends. There's one thing that shall not pass. In chapter 12, it says, The Spirit shall return unto God who gave it after a person dies. This verse describes what the Bible elsewhere calls the spirit in man. That's basically the depository of a person's memory and character. Solomon knew that when a person dies, this depository returns to God, who, in a way, keeps it on file, you might say. He keeps it stored in a way that we don't know all the details of, until the time of resurrection and judgment. So the character that a person builds during this life is the one thing that doesn't have to pass. It lies outside of the jurisdiction of this too shall pass. It doesn't have to go the way of the dinosaurs and the dodo, like everything else does. And a big part of the way we develop this character is in how we respond 
to all the experiences in this life. The highs, the lows, and the miles and miles in between. The Bible talks about a future time when sorrow, pain, and even death will pass. It also discusses a time when the entire surface of the earth will pass and be replaced by a new earth will never pass. Life is experienced, it's full of victories and disappointments, prosperity and trials. And like that Sultan that we talked about at the beginning there, we can let these things shove us all over the emotional spectrum. We can let victories make us pompous. We can let adversity make us bitter or angry. Or we can see our experiences with a wider view, remembering memento mori. You know, this, this uh, physical life is so fleeting, and the only thing that will never pass is righteous character. With this in mind, we can learn to better manage our reactions. We can learn to develop more temperance in other traits of good character. And we can learn that this too shall pass. Well, thank you for listening today. By the way, this song in the background is one of my own uh, compositions. It's called This Too Shall Pass. So I thought it would be appropriate to play a little bit of it on here today. Please remember to send us an email with your comments and questions. We love hearing from you listeners. I'm not always able to reply to uh, the comments, but I do read and appreciate every one of them. I had a hard time settling on a good um, sign-off quote today because there are so many people who have spoken very eloquently about the this too shall pass proverb. But I finally decided on this one that Eleanor Roosevelt said after she had several decades of wisdom under her belt, quote, life has got to be lived. That's all there is to it. At 70, I would say the advantage is that you take life more calmly you know that this too shall pass.